Hey, Unnaturalists. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And we are finally back with another episode of Unnatural Plague Edition, as you can probably hear from my voice, and you will get to listen to it for probably the next half an hour. So deal with it. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I was going to ask how your spring break was, but I guess you just answered that. You got the plague. Yeah, I got the plague. My dog died. (laughs) Oh, God. We're coping by making jokes about it. Yeah. You know what? what? One of my favorite coping mechanisms when I'm down is like listening to murder cases. So maybe this will help you cope. I have been watching a lot of horror movies. Oh, so. good. Yeah. By the way, we're we're recording this during or almost during the Oscars. Oh, is that today? You think there's going to be another slap or? I don't know. Anyway, we better get yeah, to it. Yeah, we're not a celebrity gossip podcast. <sighs> Thank God. So in Northport, New York, during the height of the satanic panic of the 1980s, four teenagers ventured into a wooded area near their hometown, but only three of them would emerge from the woods alive. This is the story of Ricky Casso, a.k.a. the Acid King. a pretty normal kid. He had a good childhood up until his teenage years, but you know, prior to kind of hitting that middle school age, he was described as a model student and a young athlete by his father, who was a history teacher and also a football coach at a kind of like uppity high school. From what I understand, it's called Cold Spring Harbor High School. Sounds like a private school. It might be. I didn't look that far into it, but it was described as like as affluent, quote unquote. Yeah. So once he, once Ricky got to be about 14, 15 is when he really started getting into a lot of trouble. He ended up being thrown out of his house multiple times to live on the streets. Um, He slept in the woods. He slept in people's cars. He slept in garages, he slept in the backyards of like his friends' houses, wherever, like wherever he could sleep and stay for the night is where he was. So it was also around this time that he started getting into drugs, mostly pot, hash, LSD, PCP, you know, typical, typical 80s type drugs. Rumors were also circulating that he was dealing drugs. Pot specifically, he had a group of friends who all sold marijuana and they referred to themselves as the Knights of the Black Circle. There's always got to be a name when you're a teenager. Yeah. It's like, we got to find a cool name for this. They probably got really high and that's how they thought of the name. For sure. Knights of the Black Circle. What does that even mean? (laughs) But when, when we find out that they were kind of like rumors were also circulating that they were participating in occult ceremonies and they celebrated, um, Walpurgis night. What is that? I think I'm saying that right. And they celebrated this 
German pagan, it's like a German pagan, like, feast holiday thing that they do at nighttime where they supposedly are able to summon evil spirits together and, like, the veil between the living and the dead world or, like, earth and where evil spirits hang out. I don't know. Um, the veil is supposed to be thinner. Oh, it's, like, briefly revealed while they're doing this ceremony thing? Yeah, something like that. Um, okay. Apparently, him and his buddies went to go celebrate this nice at night at the Amityville Horror House. Oh, I know that place. Yeah. Good so, movie, too. The one with Ryan Reynolds? No, the first one. I like the first one. I think I saw the, the remake. I don't remember if I liked it, though. Was it good? I think it's Ryan Reynolds' most unique role because he doesn't play that like cocky joke making character like he does in every single movie he's been in since. (laughs) Yeah, especially since Deadpool. Mm. Ricky also had a copy of the Satanic Bible that he would brag about and show to his friends. There's always that kid in high school that's got the Satanic Bible or something mm-hmm. that brags about it. <laughs> so then at one point, around this point in time, his parents had him committed to the South Oaks Psychiatric Hospital, formerly known as the Amityville Asylum. So that's oh. fun. Um, to get him off drugs and receive some mental health care because they thought that he was kind of crazy, like he was into all this Satanist shit, and they were like, clearly something is wrong with him. Fix well, it. if there's anywhere to send somebody who you think's crazy, the old the Amityville Amity place. <laughs> you know? Um, he also got himself a bit of a rap sheet. He had been arrested for digging into like an old colonial grave trying to like steal the bones i guess at a cemetery um and then after that incident he came down with pneumonia and during his hospital stay his parents had him committed again for psychiatric care however the psychiatrists um, evaluating him said they were like yeah well you know he has a little bit of like antisocial behavior but we don't think he's crazy we don't think he's violent or a danger to anyone but if you're listening to this you know where you are so those doctors made a little bit of a whoopsie and um after he was released or he was released after he recovered Hmm. sounds like he should have stayed there yeah for sure because even though he did kind of have a little bit of a brush with death from the pneumonia, I guess like he was really, really sick. Hmm. Um, but he went back to the same old troublemaking. Classmates of his said that he would hang out in cemeteries and, quote, smoke 10 bags of angel dust to try and get in touch with the devil. I mean, you're going to see something if you smoke 10 bags of angel <laughs> dust. <laughs> Yeah. It's probably going to be the devil. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna. Yeah, you're gonna. You're gonna see something. You're, you're, you're gonna see something. Seventeen-year-old Gary Lowers was a classmate of Ricky's who also had a big a bit of a drug problem. 
despite their mutual interest in drugs, they didn't really have a great friendship. They kind of butted heads a lot. Um, but one night at a party, Gary allegedly stole 10 packets of angel dust from Ricky while he was passed out. And Ricky, who called himself the Acid King, was not very happy about this. And he confronted Gary the next day. And Gary returned five of the 10 bags and was like, hey, man, super sorry about that. Five <sighs> of the bags are gone, but I'll give you 50 bucks to repay you. I mean, that's better than what a lot of people do. <laughs> like, yeah. a, a lot of people who steal your drugs, I know this might be a shocker, but they're not the nicest people and they're probably not going to give them back or offer to pay you. Well, and a lot of times if you are the person who had your drugs stolen, you're mm. probably going to beat the shit out of the person who stole them. Yeah, or worse. Yeah. Now, there had been some incidents of fighting between Gary and Ricky, at least four incidents that I saw mentioned. Um, but on June 19th, 1984, Ricky, along with his friends, 18-year-old James Troiano and 17-year-old Albert Giannis, I think is how you say his last name. They were hanging out in a little kind of gazebo area in the Cow Harbor Park, listening to music. Gary was also present, though I'm not sure why. I don't know if he just happened to be in the area, perhaps with some other people, or if these three kind of said, hey, we're going to go down to the park and like get high or, you know, something. But Gary was there too, and the group lured him into the woods, and they said that they, the beef is kind of behind us now, so like, let's just go in the woods, we're going to start a fire, we'll get high, and just like, I don't know, have a good night. This was what you were talking about when you said four went in and only three came back, okay. Now, according to a book written by one of the boys called The Acid King, they were all high on LSD and they had started a small fire, but the the wood that they had found was pretty wet, so it wasn't really like staying lit very well. And Ricky goes to Gary, he's like, hey, take off your clothes and quote, donate it to the fire. And Gary was... Uh, no, no. Yeah, Gary was like... Sorry. Mm, Not going to do that. Yeah. He was like, definitely no. However, I will take off my socks. And apparently they like ripped the sleeves off of his denim jacket too to burn them. But 
For some reason, as the night goes on, probably because they're teenagers, they're full of testosterone, they're kind of some outcasts, they're high as fuck, Gary and Ricky ended up getting in a fight while James and Albert just kind of stood by and were watching and they were just kind of like, Maybe they didn't even see it. They were they were high as fuck. They were probably high looking at the off in their own world, yeah. Or they were like, "This happens all the time. We're just going to leave them alone, let them hash it out." Well, yeah, and sometimes when like guys lure other guys into a fight, the other guys purposefully stand by and just let it happen. Yeah, especially teenagers. Yeah, but at some point, Ricky pulled a knife and stabbed. Gary in the chest. Oh my god. And um, Gary tried to run away, but Ricky tackled him. And James said that Ricky professed his love for Satan and was telling Gary to say, I love, like, say, I love Satan, say, I love Satan. And Gary was like, no, I love my mother, which that just fucking kills me. Yeah, really, especially at the end of his life. Some of yeah. his last words. Yeah, because like while all this is happening, Ricky is just like on top of him. So like Gary's on his stomach. Ricky's on top of him, just like stabbing him over and over in the back. And the other two are just standing there, like watching it go down. Um, and then when it was over, the three of them drug Gary's body further into the woods, trying to find a spot to leave him. Like they covered him up with some sticks and some leaves And James said Ricky knelt over Gary's body and started saying something about Satan. And Ricky thought that he saw Gary move and that he was still alive. So he started stabbing him several more times in the face. Um, And then they, they knew for sure that Gary was dead and they all left out of the woods. And James said that Ricky was laughing about the whole situation as they were leaving the woods. Now, Gary, as as I mentioned, was a little bit of a of a troubled teen as well. Um, he had a history of running away, so when he initially didn't return home, his family like really didn't think much of it. And like this is also the eighties. The eighties, yeah. So I was, was just thinking there was, that like, there was no cell phones. Yeah, um, kids would just be gone for days at a time, and parents wouldn't call the police. Yeah, yeah, especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, especially troubled teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, word began spreading around town that Ricky had done something to Gary. Because um, kids he, talk. Yeah. Well, K- Ricky talks, actually, oh, because he was God. the one bragging, bragging about it. About it. Yeah. yeah. He had said that Satan had appeared to him as a black crow after the murder and started cawing and he took the cawing from the crow or Satan as a sign of approval from the devil that like he committed this murder. Ricky even allegedly showed the body to some disbelieving teens. Jesus. And then about two weeks after the murder on July 1st, police received an anonymous tip. And then on July 4th, 1984, police um, with the assistance of some dogs searched the as Azteca, I don't know how you say that word, the woods, and they they discovered the decomposing and 
very mutilated body of 17 year old Gary Lowers. They so did he even bury him? It doesn't sound like it. Or if he did, it was a very shallow grave. I'm very guessing. shallow. Like, I think they may, I think they may have just like dug out a little bit of dirt with their hands, just kind of like took him in there, covered him with yeah. sticks, leaves, dirt, you know, whatever. The idiots. And, um, and it, he was pretty decomposed by this point in time too, because it's July, it's hot, it's humid. He's in the woods. Like he's not buried very deep. Um, right. but they did determined that he had been stabbed approximately 36 times in his oh face, chest, neck, back. All by Ricky, right? Or are we going to get to that later? All by Ricky. Yeah. Okay. Although, and I know you'll, you'll talk about the trial and I'm just going to say this right now. If the other two don't go to prison for a long ass fucking time, something's wrong here because they were more than accessories here. Just saying. We'll get to Just it. saying. And so, if one of them wrote a fucking book, oh my God. Police, oh my fucking God. After recovering the body and getting some information, like Ricky was like on the top of their list. He was going around town bragging about it. They obviously knew where to find the body. Yeah. Anyway, um, police, the next day after finding the body, found Ricky and James passed out high in a car, and they were both arrested. Now, once the media got a hold of this, they just, like, showed up to the town a shitstorm, I bet. Yeah. Because we're talking about the satanic panic. Yeah. They love the salacious stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, this isn't you know, your just run-of-the-mill murder here. Yeah, and people were just shocked that teenagers from this, like, uppity white picket fence, you know, hoity-toity suburb in New York could have done something like this. Right. And then it was made even worse because when Ricky was arrested, he was wearing an ACDC shirt so like those mm-hmm. pictures circulated and that just kind of furthered the narrative like you can't let you can't let teenagers listen to to punk rock and heavy metal music because it's good they're gonna start worshiping satan well yeah this was right around the time that congress started getting involved with uh music and putting the parental warnings mm-hmm. on the on the albums and uh you know saying that you know, kids who listen to this music were going to go out and kill people. So this fit the narrative. Even the investigators were saying that Ricky was a member of satanic cult. But they also said that the Long Island community, quote, I'm quoting this, um, the Long Island community had more to fear from drug addictions than satanic cults. So... I think they were they were more attributing all of this ick to the fact that they were all fucking drug addicts. I would say they're probably right on that. Yeah. Um so James ended up signing two confessions that were later recanted and this gets a little fuzzy because a little some murky. Of, yeah, because some of the information I was finding was a little bit conflicting on what actually happened here, but from what I understood and what I kind of gathered is Albert was kind of saying like, 
hey, look, this was all Ricky and James. They did this, they did that. And he was kind of like trying to be like, I was just high as fuck. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. They were the ones who were in on it. Like, I just stood there and I didn't know what to do because I didn't want them to hurt me. Of course he's going to say that, though. It's like at that point, every man for himself, you know, he's looking after himself. Yeah. But then it later sounds like Albert was given some sort of immunity deal. Mm. And then um, he came out and like recanted all of that testimony and said that it was all Ricky, Mm. which I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely convinced. Sounds like some shady police work here. I I think a little intimidation maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Some deals were struck. Yeah, I don't know what all exactly went on here. But um, so Albert gets an immunity deal. So he's not even charged, right? He's just kind of like gets off scot-free. The jury acquitted James. What? Largely because Albert took back all of his previous testimony once immunity was on the table. And um, his lawyers successfully argued that he was so high the night of the murder that he was incapable of distinguishing reality from the effects of the drugs, which if they were really that high on LSD, like, yeah, okay, but you literally helped your friend drag this boy's body and covered it up. There's got to be some repercussions for and not only dragging the body, but not doing anything when he was being attacked and knowingly helping him go into the forest when you probably knew that that's what your buddy was going to do in the first place. Yeah. I don't know if they knew that he was going to kill him, but I'm sure. I bet they fucking knew. You think? Well, I bet they fucking knew something was going to go down. Oh, I'm sure. But I don't know if they knew that he was going to kill him. Well, and plus, yeah, teenagers do lie all the time. Oh, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. You know? Yeah. Do you want to know what happened to Ricky? What happened to Ricky? Ricky never made it to trial. You want to know why? He killed himself? Yep. The day after he was arrested, he hung himself in his jail cell. Wow. He abstained himself. Yeah. He did. And I mean, I feel really bad for Gary's parents because I mean, really, what justice did they get? Because one was acquitted. One was apparently never even charged with anything. And the other one killed himself. Yeah. That's just wrong. Yeah. and I Especially after Ricky killed himself, you would think that they would at least have done something to the other two. I know. And I was looking to see, well, and so I, I will admit that I got a good chunk of this information from, uh, James's book. Yeah. The Acid King. Uh, um, so he wrote the book. Okay. He did write the book. Um, but like I, 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 maybe I told you this before we started recording, but, um, like there is a lot of pop culture references. Oh Yeah. To, this, to the whole satanic panic, yeah. Well, to the satanic or panic. Or this case, specifically. Yeah. yeah, so like there's the book, The Acid King, um, that's kind of James's um, retelling. Of, or his uh, version, anyway. Yeah. yeah, his version of what went down. Um, there's like several films that were inspired by, um, like My Sweet Satan, a 1994 
film. Jim Van Beber plays Ricky. Um, Ricky Six was kind of based off of it. Let's see. There's some songs by Sonic Youth. Ooh. It's just, it's sad that not only was James and Albert, I guess, uh, did they get off scot-free, but then James gets to write a book about it and profit off of it Yeah. later in life. Yeah, there's been a handful of documentaries too, which um, I didn't. I didn't get the chance to watch, but I really want to. There was one that came out in November of 2021 um, called "The Acid King." Hmm. Um, that sounds like it might be pretty good. Like he would like it was also kind of talked about in some um, like true crime shows, like Killer Kids, um, The Devil Worshippers. Um, which was like a kind of like a 2020 news program. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then there's. Oh, a, looks like you can watch it on Apple TV. Oh, nice. And there's a, there's a couple. So there's like the, the like biography um, that James had a hand in writing, but then there's also like a fictionalized retelling called Say You Love Satan. So that's. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that is the story of the Acid King and the super sad and untimely death of Gary Lowers. Yeah. Like you said, feel bad for his family. Yeah. And because, like, I just did, like, a brief Google um, to see if I could find anything, like, from Gary's parents, like, what their thoughts were. But I, I mean, the, this was the 80s so i didn't really like I, it doesn't seem like they've talked about it at all recently um i don't know if they were involved in that documentary um, i can't imagine they were yeah but i really yeah i really didn't see anything about like you know kind of how they were feeling about it and even now you know 30 40 some odd years later yeah. Now it's time for the unnatural palate cleanse. Okay, I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. What is a palate? Where Emily and Andy bring you their own unique and offbeat tales of intrigue from around the world today. You have an update for us? So, Emily, if you remember, uh, I would say, what, about a month and a half ago, I told you the uh, tale of... Elliot Blair. Elliot Blair was the young 30-something lawyer from Southern California who went to Mexico with his wife to a resort he had been to many times before to celebrate their first anniversary. They go out, they have a couple drinks she goes to bed he said he's going to take a shower and then come to bed too and then all of a sudden she's being awoken by mexican authorities saying he's dead he fell from the second story it was an ac- it was an accident case closed at least that's what they wanted her to believe and she was at the time that this happened it was only i think we we did the case like a week or two after this occurred. Yeah. So obviously there was a lot of unknowns 
And well, you did tell us that his body came back, right? I told you that. Yeah, they oh, were did in a you fight, tell me that, like off. Yeah, I told I told you that a couple weeks ago, and they were in a fight to get his body extradited back to the United States to do an autopsy back in the U.S. And when we recorded, that was still kind of up in the air whether or not it was going to happen. Well, it did happen, and there's been a lot of publicity about it. So I just want to read you quick um, a story and. This is from the New York Post. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I, I have been seeing some headlines about it, but I've been staying away and not cheating and not looking because I knew that you were going to tell us. Well, here's what the article says. And I quote, Elliot Blair's head was badly fractured and his body bruised as if he'd been beaten by more than one person before his death. A lawyer for the family told the New York Post. The California lawyer's death cause of death remains a mystery after he was found face down outside his room at the Las Rocas Resort and Spa in Rosarito Beach, Mexico on January 14th. Preliminary results from a private second autopsy conducted in the United States show that Blair suffered more than 40 fractures to his head, mostly concentrated in the back of his skull and left side of his face, the attorney said. Oh, my God. 40. Right. And remember, the Mexican police said that it, it was an accident. Well, there's no fucking way at this point. Like, yeah. we don't know exactly what went down, but we do know that it wasn't an accident. Yeah, he didn't just fall and crack his head on the pavement. 40 times. Yeah. Mexican authorities had initially declared that Blair fell accidentally from his second floor hotel room onto the ground below, but the lawyer says the injuries tell a different story. Quote, it's obvious to us and to the experts we have spoken to that this is foul play. It's either he fell to his knees for some reason or he got dragged. So that's kind of where we are. It's going to be it's going to be tough though because this is in another country. Yeah. And well, and everything that's going on in Mexico right now. Right, with those four tourists well, I, I mean, yeah, I guess they were tourists. They went from South Carolina, so one of them could get a medical procedure done, and they were kidnapped by a cartel, and two of them died. Yeah, and where did this happen again? Was it like that, Tijuana? Yeah, this was so. This was in southwest Mexico, right on that uh, Baja Peninsula, south of California. Mm -hmm. The tourists that we just spoke of—that was in the other side of the country, right, right by but Texas. Still. But still, yeah, there's a lot going on over there. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if the U.S. authorities can get the Mexican authorities to play ball now that we know that it's foul play. I Hopefully his death won't be in vain. Yeah. Hopefully we can figure out what the hell happened to him. But yeah, like you said, because of the circumstances... It looks like it's going to be an, be an uphill climb here for um, Elliot Blair's family. Yeah, it's just so... Well, go back. So, 
But it's like, it's the Mexican authorities that are like, no, this was an accident, right? It's not just the hotel. Right. Well, the hotel was saying that too. Yeah. Right. But like the authorities and the government are like, yeah, yep. Yep. That tracks. I still think, I still think that, and my theory was in the beginning that something nefarious happened and the hotel and resort, which has a lot of Americans coming there for tourism, wanted to cover it up. Yeah. And the Mexican authorities, the local authorities, it was important to them as well because that's their whole economy down there. Right. All of the money that's pumping into that that area is from American tourists. And I think they wanted to cover it up because if it was proclaim that there was a murder there of an American, obviously that tourism money would dry up. But the joke's on them because I'm guessing that tourism money is going to dry up now anyway. Yeah. Especially if there's, yeah, there's like a big lawsuit coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll have oh, man, to. That fucking sucks. Yeah. And his poor wife too, because they were on their honeymoon. No, yeah. it was their anniversary. It, it was their first anniversary. Yeah. Oh, and they had been there four times before that. So, yeah, just it, it goes to show you that, uh, you know, you're never really safe wherever you go. I mean, even if it seems like a safe spot to you, crazy shit can go down. Yeah. I mean, like I have absolutely zero plans of going to Mexico anytime soon. Yeah. And it's not just Mexico. There's I mean, hell, there's plenty of places in the United States where crazy shit goes down but just the uh, the uniqueness of this case because it's across the border makes me think that it's going to be very difficult to get justice i hope i'm wrong yeah we'll have to I don't wait and think find you out are wrong though i think this is no. one of like the very few times i will actually say that to you ah <laughs> thanks emily yeah. I'm also high on cough medicine, so maybe don't take what I have to say seriously right now. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, if you're interested in learning more about either of these cases, come hang out with us on our social media. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Do so on Instagram. We are at Unnatural the Podcast. You can chat with us on our Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. If you have case suggestions, thoughts, comments, concerns, send us a Gmail. That is unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page set up where we would love for you to go and help support us a little bit. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. And we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. We will. Andy will tell you a super cool, super crimey, murdery, bloody, spooky story. Maybe. I don't know. Well, one of them isn't a murdery, but I'm deciding between two. One of them is definitely murdery, and it involves... Um, what are those big crates that people like? Uh, oh, a shipping contain a shipping container. Ooh, a very escaping Dexter. Kind of, yeah. Or maybe a mysterious disappearance. One of the two. We'll find out. 
okay. We will fight. And in the meantime, make your choices. And don't get got. Yeah, by the way, we're we're recording this during or almost during the Oscars. Oh, is that today? You think there's gonna be another slap or I don't know. Well I kinda hope there well, is. I hope is that banned. like started a tradition. Yeah, he is. Yeah. What celebrity would you like to see get slapped at the, somebody who would go to the Oscars? I was th- even though well, I mean, they probably just go because of their celebrity status, but I would like to see Kylie Jenner and Haley Bieber get oh. slapped by Selena Gomez. I was just going to say that. I'm team Selena. A Kardashian. I just thought of Kanye. I would like to see Kanye get slapped. Yeah. By Pete Davidson, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though Pete and Kim broke up like a long time ago. Yeah, I know. But Kanye still said some really fucky shit about Pete, but also Pete and Kanye were friends before he started dating Kim. I don't know. It's a whole mess. It's a whole mess. So much drama. So much drama. 